together this morning.
y'all make some noise for the Lord? Amen. Amen. How many people are excited to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. We're excited that you're here. And, uh, you know, this morning and uh, last night, we, uh, we were kind of talking before we got up here ready to worship. And, you know, sometimes you can come into a worship service and it's just this real serious, solemn thing. And uh, it is important that we worship and we come before the Lord the right way. But we're supposed to have an awesome time when we worship the Lord. And we're supposed to lift up our hearts, our hands, our voices. And uh, I just want to encourage you this morning, you know, it's okay to lift your hands. It's okay to sing out. It's okay if the person stands, uh, that's standing beside you can hear you a little bit. It's okay. If you need to, you can go ahead and uh, you can apologize to them right now if you need to. But I just want to encourage you this morning, we're not here to play music. We're not here to read words on the screen, but we're here to experience the real presence of a real God who really loves us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. So, Lord, we do lift you up. God, we need you. Just tell him that, Lord, we need you this morning. We need your presence. And we ask you right now in this moment, Lord, just to inhabit the praises of your people. We lift up our hearts to you, and we say that you're worthy of it all. We thank you for your goodness, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Let's sing this out if you know the words. So bless the Lord, oh, my soul, oh, oh, oh my soul, we worship his hope. Sing like never before. Oh, my soul, and I'll worship you, holy name. Let's sing this out. The sun comes up. The sun comes up. It's a
Tell him that this morning.
the services last night, I felt like God was telling me that there are those that were here today that had just, that you just felt like you were discouraged, you felt like you were, I, would, I don't want to use the word depressed, but maybe a little bit of depression, a little bit of just this sense of worry, fear. And I was reminded when I was at my parents' house just a couple weeks ago, my mom had fallen and broken her hip. She had a hip replacement surgery. And she wasn't recovering like we had hoped she would. And, and, and just one day, it was the spirit of discouragement, the spirit that came on. It hit my dad, it hit me, it hit my sister, it hit my mom. We were all just, just feeling just discouraged and hopeless. And all of a sudden, we recognized it was a spiritual thing. We started worshiping, we started singing, we filled my mom's room with worship music, and that spirit left. And this is a scripture God reminded me of, Psalm 41.5. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him, my Savior and my God. I may be deeply discouraged now, but I will remember you, O Lord. And here's the word of the Lord to you today. God is here. Put your thought and your hope on Him. Remember what He's done for you in the past, and remember or think about what He will do for you again. We're going to call our prayer team down front. And if this speaks to you, this word, I, I want you to come down, be prayed for, have your mind and your, your thoughts even uh, anointed with oil. And if you are sick in your bodies, let us anoint you with oil. Let us pray for you. If you're having some financial difficulties, whatever your need is, I encourage you, come forward as we continue to worship because we serve a God who gives us victory.
As I cast my mind into Calvary, where Jesus bled and died for me, I see His wounds, His hands, His feet, my Savior. Sing it out, his body bound, is his body bound and drenched in tears. They laid him down in Joseph's tomb, the entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah. will be your part right here. Let's sing it out. And oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore. For endless we will sing your praise. Oh,
Church on the Rock. We are so glad you're here worshiping with us today. In the back of the chair in front of you, we have a lot of information about our church. Our inside look lets you know everything about who we are and what we believe in. Our ministry guide gives you plenty of ways to get connected through classes, small groups, and outreach opportunities. If you're a first-time guest, please fill out the white card in the seat back in front of you, drop in the offering, or you can bring it across the hall to the Connect Room where you'll receive a free gift bag. And don't forget about our coffee bar and snacks between Sunday services in the Connect Cafe. We are so glad you're here, and we hope you know there is always a place for you. Here's what's happening at Church on the Rock. Wednesday, December 7th, we will have a guest speaker, Dr. Lawrence Kennedy, the founder of Church on the Rock, Texarkana. Church on the Rock's annual women's conference, It Changes Everything, is March 2nd through the 4th. Sign up in the foyer. This holiday season, we encourage you to participate in Christmas outreach. Please consider sponsoring a child from the Angel Tree available in the foyer or help serve at our Sidewalk Sunday School Christmas parties. We'll be at Sunset Apartments this Tuesday at 4 and at Rose Hill Ridge Thursday at 4. Next weekend, Pastor Larry Myers, the founder of Mexico Ministries, will be sharing a powerful message. Be sure to attend. December Bible Guides are ready. Pick one up and follow along with us this month as we read through the Christmas story. There's nothing more exciting than seeing a child on Christmas morning. Their excitement is contagious. You can see that spark of Christmas in their eyes. Unfortunately, so many people in our community won't have or get to see that spark. Here at Church on the Rock, we are doing everything we can to spread the joy and true message of Christmas, and you can be a part of it. We have seven different ministries you can get involved with to spread the love of Christ this Christmas. Angel Tree, providing Christmas presents for children in our church. Sidewalk Sunday School, bringing Christmas to over 100 children at Sunset and Smithkey Apartments. Coat Drive, providing coats for the homeless. Gifts for missionaries, Sending gifts to missionaries in the mission field. Project Hope, providing Christmas for 15 families in need. Nursing Home, bringing Christmas presents to the elderly at Heritage Plaza. Prison Ministry, providing inmates with Bibles. And you can help people get the ultimate Christmas gift by picking up a Church on the Rock Christmas invite and inviting your friends and family to our Christmas services. 
Let's do everything we can to bring the joy of Christ this Christmas to our Texarkana community. everybody here this morning everybody doing good all right our ushers are coming forward and as you saw in that video one of the best things we do is just invite somebody to church so grab these invites they're special ones for the christmas for the holiday season so grab a bunch of those invites hand them out through all over the city because right now first of all there's a lot of people that don't even go to church and there's a lot of people right now when you get around christmas they start having that feeling you know what if there is a god or is there a god and they have all these questions so Invite, 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 and let's see God do some great things over this Christmas season. Amen? Well, hopefully, you've seen those little flyers. I'm going to walk over and get one, just so you know, since I left mine over here. But get one of these out of your bulletin. Please take it home, put it on your fridge, keep it around. If you don't have one, pick one up on the way out, because this are the list of some of the ministries we're doing, some of the outreaches. And I, my prayer is everybody will get involved and do something. Because some of these things don't involve money, just a little time. Pray for us. We're doing twice as many sidewalk Sunday school outreaches this year as we did last year. And I've just been looking at the weather and thinking, man, raining Saturday, raining Sunday, raining Monday. Stopping on Tuesday, and that's when we have one of our parties. Might rain Wednesday. Stopping on Thursday. So just thank God that we're uh, able to get these outreaches done. Because this is going to be well over 200 young people we're going to uh, touch. So uh, pray for that. And on the back side of this one, not just our church ones, the nursing home and everything, but on the back are just things you can do individually, you and your family, things that don't cost money, things that just be a blessing to people. How many know the church needs to be a blessing to the people in our community? Amen? You know, we're continuing to worship the Lord with our tithes and offerings. This is the point where a lot of times they say, well, we're going to give an offering or we're going to take up an offering. But what we do is we return the tithe to the Lord. There's that 10% that's His, it's holy. This is our chance to give it back to Him. Then everything after that is the opportunity to give an offering. And I want to show you what your giving has done. We helped a, uh, a missionary in Mexico who digs wells, and we helped him fix his truck. So let's hear from him a little bit. Good morning, Pastor John. I just wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for your, you and your church for a very generous gift to help us with covering the expense of repairs on this truck. This truck is one that we bought brand new in 2006, and it's been in service for 10 years. This uh, we bought as a cab and a chassis, and I added this uh, bed. We built this bed here on, on property for the truck, especially for our well drilling operations. So this truck has been in service for 10 years, and uh, this truck has rendered about 300 wells that are pumping water for the people all along this major coast of Mexico and all the way into the state of Oaxaca. So God has used it to bless a lot of people. And uh, of course with that use, uh, things wear out and we encountered quite a few things that needed repair. But once again, I'd like to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, sometimes we feel kind of alone down here, but when you respond the way you did, it just it just blesses my heart, encourages me, and just uh, gives us the desire to go on and hopefully we can drill another 300 wells. Lord bless you. God bless your congregation. We thank you so very much. Amen. And that's my prayer. 
Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap for that. Remember our missionaries during this time tried to do a special gift for them. But our prayer, just like he said, that God will bless you over and abundantly, that you can be a blessing to this church. This church can be a blessing to our city, but especially a blessing all over the world. So I'm just proud to be a part of this church. God bless you as you give today. this morning. Make a little noise for the Lord. Amen. Amen. We want to invite you to have a seat. We have a special video for you guys.
Well, good morning. This morning, I want to talk to you about loving the unlovable. And how many know unlovable people are not just down and outers? How many know you can be an up and outer and be unlovable? And everything in between. But it's people that the Lord cares about that are hard to love is what we're going to focus on this morning. We have, uh, in the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called The Power of Love. And it's been based on the second great commandment, Mark chapter 12. And I want you to take a peek at this with me. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the scribes, the scribe was a professional, as it were, in, in the scripture. And he asked Jesus, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, how many know that's a pretty profound question? The Bible, pretty thick book. I mean, 66 individual books, thousands of verses, uh, thousands of commands, ideas. But Jesus said, let me tell you what the most important of all is. And I would suggest to you, if we simplify the whole Bible, this, this is it. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind, and all your strength. It doesn't mean that all of us become vocational pastors, but it simply means that Christ is the center of our lives but then he said, the second commandment is this, say this with me, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And then he made this profound statement, there's no commandment greater than these. Now, why is it that there's no commandment greater than these? And I suggest this, it's because love has an inherent power to change people. How many know when we love God, it changes us? I mean, when we love people, it changes them, but it also changes us. Love has a power to change. And in my last message, we talked about demonstrating the power of love through acts of kindness to kind of be a, a, an antidote to the hatred, environment of hate that's in post-election America. I mean, we may have a new president, but we've got a lot of hate in America today. But not just our nation with strangers. How many know uh, there may be hatred across the table at Christmas? There may be hatred in your neighborhood when you pass down the street towards your home and you've had conflict with people. But it is the power of love that can break through and change. That's why Pastor Mike alluded to this brochure that was in your bulletin, and it's also in the lobby. At Christmas, we've got several things in common. Number one is we're all busy. <laughs> we're all going to get tired. None of us have enough money. But we all feel like we need to be doing something to extol Christ in this season. And uh, we have given you a wonderful list of opportunities. There's some things that I would even sit down with my calendar and plan out a couple of events that the church is doing going into our community. But on the back here, now this is something that's pretty cool, 18 ways that you can just do things, the power and love demonstrated to people, most of which will cost you nothing, but you and your kids can really put this into practice. So um, to this morning's message is entitled, Loving the Unlovable. And again, it's not a message about economics. It's not a message about the homeless, though they may be unlovable. It's a message about people that are hard to love. And Jesus showed us uh, how to love people hard to love. We're going to look at three this morning, three stories in the Bible that talk about three real-life people that actually existed on planet Earth that had been rejected in many ways by society, some for their fault and some not, but how Christ loved these people. The first one we're going to talk about is, uh, is about how to love people that are hard to love, how to love people that nobody else likes. Uh, you've got them in your world. I've got them in mine. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but there's just people that are, are hard to like, much less to love. We're going to talk about them first. Uh, we're going to talk about people who are out of control. How do I love someone whose life is unraveling? 
And lastly, we're going to talk about how to love people caught in the trap of sin. And I want you to think about a bear trap or some kind of animal trap and how once it catches you, it holds on to you. But how many know, though what we do may be wrong and there still may be consequences, how many know as human beings we still can need to, the love from other people to help us get to the other side of it? So that's where we're going this morning, loving the unlovable. And let's begin in Luke chapter 19. Luke 19, let me just mention one thing before I, I get going. Uh, this Wednesday night, I have invited uh, the founding pastor, Pastor Lawrence Kennedy, uh, he started this church probably 35 years ago down downtown on Martin Luther King Boulevard. And uh, he's getting a little older, and uh, he's no longer pastoring, and I just thought I wanted to have him here and honor him. We're going to do that Wednesday night, and uh, you may just be curious, hear a little history of the church and kind of thing. But that's my intent, to honor him, and I hope you'll, you'll, you'll join me in that. Luke chapter 19, loving people nobody else liked. The first one is a, is a man called Zacchaeus. Jesus enters the city of Jericho, and there's a man there named Zacchaeus. And here's why people didn't like him. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he'd become very rich. Now, how many enjoy getting letters from the IRS? Can I see your hand? No. The IRS is not sending you a birthday card. I can guarantee you that. If you get a little love note from them, it's going to kind of cause you to tense up. And uh, it's just simply because these folks want your money, come on, that you worked hard for, and they think you should pay it and you think you don't. Well, anyway, Zacchaeus is the, is the chief tax collector, but he is a step beyond a modern uh, IRS agent. Uh, Zacchaeus is kind of working on his own commission. He collects taxes for the Roman government. He's got soldiers that go with him. It's a strong arm that's involved there. He's collecting more than his due and he's keeping some of that money for himself. So how many know he's a, he's a hated person? He's a protected person in a place of influence, but he's very corrupt. And people didn't like him outside of his circle of friends. Now, verse 3, it's interesting because it kind of shows us a look into his heart. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he's too short to see over the crowd. So I, I kind of picture this short Jewish guy. He's kind of got a big belly, and he's dressed to the nines. I mean, he looks good, but he's real short, and he's probably got an attitude because of that. But he, he, he can't see Jesus, so he climbs a tree, a sycamore fig tree, and Jesus comes by. He looks up at Zacchaeus, and he said, Quick, come down. I've got to be a guest in your home today. Now, here's where we know the people didn't like him. Uh, the people were displeased, and they said, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. And the Message Bible says, what business does he have getting cozy with this crook? <laughs> well, verse 8, and here's what I want you to see. Unlovable people have some root in their life that causes them to be that way. There's personality issues, there's choices that they've made that kind of make people not like them. And his, as most people, was spiritual in its very nature. Um, Jesus, he met uh, Jesus, verse 8, and he stands before the Lord and he told Jesus, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. Now, how many know for someone whose God was probably money before that to give half away to poor people, how many know you've had an encounter with God? He said, if I've cheated people on their taxes, I'm giving back four times as much. And Jesus said, salvation has come to your home today for the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. To be lost means to not have relationship with God, to be, have been separated from God. And what I want you to see, this unlovable person that was not liked by most people, 
Now Jesus sees him, knows his heart, sees that the root of his problem is a spiritual problem. He loves this man, and it was the love of God that turned Zacchaeus from someone that was an arrogant, you know, conniving, make money off people to someone that was a humble man that loved God. So let's, uh, let's talk about this. Zacchaeus, outwardly, he had it all together. I mean, he had designer sandals. Uh, he drove a Mercedes chariot. I mean, you know, this guy, he, he, had it, he had it together. He had money. He had influence. But inwardly, there was a deep spiritual need nobody saw. He needed God, and when he began to follow Jesus, Jesus changed him on the inside. A man that no one liked was changed by the love of God. Now, we don't like people for a lot of reasons. Uh, people are hard to love, maybe because they're arrogant. For some people, success is hard to handle. They're arrogant. They talk down to you. Uh, maybe there's someone in your workplace. Maybe it's someone that's a, a, a boss. Maybe it's a coworker. Uh, maybe it's a client that you can't do without, and you just, you just don't like them. They rub you the wrong way. I mean, know what I'm talking about. I mean, they're just people that we don't like. Uh, they, they could be unethical. They could lie, steal, manipulate. They could just be a mean Scrooge. I mean, Christmas time, if you have a chance to watch some of the older Scrooge movies, here's this old rich miser, but in his heart, he still has a need for love, but he's built all these, all these walls that are there. Uh, Jesus loved him anyway. Again, Zacchaeus, influential. Everything money can buy, but he still wasn't happy. Something was missing, and he needed God in his life. So it's a problem because he had this deep need, this deep spiritual need, but people didn't like him. And how many know if Jesus had not stopped to give attention to this man, it's a good chance he would have headed into eternity without Christ. Simply because the way his personality rubbed people wrong, because of the actions, whatever it may be, but there's just people that we don't like. And I want to encourage you this morning as a way to fulfill the second great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, to think about those people that the Holy Spirit may be bringing to mind, people that I don't like. Because how many know liking is more of a feeling? Love is more of a deliberate action. How many know when a mom has to get up in the middle of the night, and it's mom, and she gets up in the middle of the night and she has to clean up diarrhea, come on, or she has to clean up vomit off the floor, how many know she doesn't like to do that? She does that because she loves that child. How many know when an adult child has to change the diaper of, come on, mom who's gotten old and feeble? That's not something we enjoy. But we do it because love constrains us. Love compels us to act in these ways. So biblical love is is not something I do because I just feel it, it warms my heart. I do it in the name of Christ. Come on, and I give away the same love that was given to me. And I want to encourage you this morning, see people that are just hard to like as people like Zacchaeus. Outwardly, they look good, but inside, they've got a God need. And maybe you're the person that the Lord's going to use to touch them because the love of God has the power to change a life. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good, a good hand today. Let's go to Mark chapter 5. The second person, Jesus loved a man who was out of control. By this, I mean he couldn't cope with life. We would just flippantly call him crazy. The Bible calls him the gathering maniac or demoniac. Uh, Mark chapter 5, and again, as we read the Bible, we're reading history. Uh, sometimes we, we, we forget that the Bible is the most 
um, the most verifiable. Uh, there are more biblical manuscripts than any other document of antiquity. So these stories are about real-life people. And Mark chapter 5 tells us one. Jesus and his gang of disciples, they come to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him a man with an unclean or an evil spirit. Immediately when he gets out of the boat. Now, here's what I want you to see. We're going to talk about a guy whose life was out of control. In this particular case, there was a demonic influence in his life, and we're going to talk about that. But in the midst of being oppressed and out of control, in his heart, something drew him to Christ. He needed what Jesus offered, and Jesus loved him even when he was unlovable. So this guy, we're told up front that there's some evil presence in his life, and he lived among the tombs. The New Testament, or the New Living Translation, said he lived in the cemetery. Uh, anybody get the creeps around cemeteries? Yeah, well, I do too. So it's about two honest people in here today. Uh, now, when we think of a cemetery, it's this nice big field, and it could have trees, and it's got tombstones, or maybe it's just mowed flat. But in their day, tombs were hewn out of mountains. So if you can imagine the side of a mountain there, or maybe multiple layers, people had taken crude tools, and they had literally made caves inside this mountain to one day it had buried people, multiple people, and some of them were just empty because they were prepared for a burial, and this person was living there. Now, cemeteries, they're just kind of a creepy place. Uh, you know, I, I love to, to turkey hunt, and I've got this one place I love to go in the Dequeen area, but the only problem is it's way out in the middle of nowhere. You can't see a light anywhere, and you got to get there at dark 30 in the morning, and you drive the truck up, and you have to park it right by this big cemetery that's right there. And the truck lights are shining on it, so you're you know, getting out of the car and going through fences and walking right along the cemetery kind of fast. It just kind of... How would you like to live there? Well, this guy lived there. And, and, and notice the picture. No one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. This guy was so out of control, you may be thinking mental hospital, you may be thinking police couldn't even arrest this guy. He was uncontrollable. Um, he was crying out all the time, night and day, screaming, cutting himself with stones. I, I, I've never understood really the pain inside a person's heart that would cause them to cut themselves, but I, I, I've looked at the posts, Facebook posts, of people that I care about very much, some young people, and, and, and they've cut themselves all along their wrist or they've cut themselves all along their body. Well, this man was going through that same kind of torment. But verse 6, when he saw Jesus a long ways off, he ran and fell down before him. And here's what I want you to see. This unlovable, out-of-control person that everybody else had, had, had pushed away, they didn't know what to do with him, and he runs to Christ. Verse 7, this man cried out with a loud voice. Now, what I want you to see in these next few verses is an interplay between the personality of the man and a voice and the personality or voice of the demon speaking through this man. Uh, he cried out with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Most High God was, was a statement referring to God's ultimate power, God Almighty, over any other forces. And this demon is now speaking, I adjure you or beg you by God, don't torment me. For Jesus was saying to this man, or saying to him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. 
He was speaking to a spirit that had somehow had an ability to live in, to influence, to, to, to influence this man. And Jesus had tried on several occasions, it seems like. This was not a one-time be gone, but it was a process of helping this man get free. Jesus asked him, this demon and this man, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion. It'd be like the movies. My name is Legion, for we are many. Now, a legion in the Roman army, 6,000 soldiers. So here's a guy, basically what he's saying is, this guy has a lot of demons influencing his life. Now, the last two generations of Americans have been raised, there's no such thing as demons. God is not real. There is no creator. The earth, you know, kind of created itself from, you know, a star that was dying that emitted, you know, carbon and oxygen and hydrogen, and, and, and it just kind of poofed into existence everything that we have here. It takes a lot of faith to believe that. There's no God. There's no devil. And there's only angels on Christmas trees in Broadway musicals. And there's certainly no demons. Because science has an explanation to everything, has a rational, uh, secular, humanistic, you know, materialistic definition. And that's the world that we live in today, a world where there is no God. But, but the Bible is very clear. Jesus was not just speaking mythology to people who were uneducated about truthful things like we are today. We're so smart. Jesus was affirming a fact that there are multitudes of demonic forces that have rebelled against God and they afflict people. Verse 13, he cast the spirit, these spirits out and the unclean spirits come out and they enter the pigs. 2,000 pigs, if you can imagine, a huge number of... I mean, I mean think, how, think how many you know, full platters of ribs that is. I mean, that is a lot. They rushed down the steep bank into the sea, and they drowned in the sea in the barbecue sauce, I guess. No, it's being a little lighthearted. But notice now, the townsmen, then they came to Jesus, and they saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion. But what is he doing now? He's clothed and in his... Now, again, we don't have a lot of time this morning. Probably the first of the year, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about darkness and evil and the demonic world that's out there. We're going to delve into this a little more deeply. We're going to see about our, our, our authority in Christ. But it's, it's, real, it's real in the world today. But, but here's what, if I could use this as an example to broaden just a moment. Because how many know not every out-of-control person has a demon? But is it just possible some do? And when I'm talking about out-of-control people, I'm not just talking about this guy, Gadarene Maniac. Uh, how about a, a, a someone that's a sex addict that's addicted to perverseness? Uh, they start out as, as, as a young boy. They find dad's playboy, somewhat innocent. It's enticing. But before you know it, that's not enough. And, and then it has to become perverse. Uh, multiple partners, men, women, animals. Come on, how many know pornography takes you deeper and deeper? And before you know it, you're not happy unless you're some old man with some child. I mean, this is perverseness. And I want to suggest to you that there could be demonic things behind these addictions. I mean, no, there's something more than just the power of a drug at work. When a meth addict will steal his mother's wedding ring and daddy's dead and he steals it for a couple days of meth. A gambler, an alcoholic, who gets their paycheck and as soon as they get it, they, 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 they go to the boats and they spend all their money and now the kids don't have money for Christmas. Come on now. They don't have money to pay the rent. They don't have money to, to, to even pay the electric bill. And, and the kids are cold and it's just a mess. Is it just possible that, that, that these are out of control people? 
I mean, gratefully in America, we have hospitals, we have psychiatric wards, we have, we have help programs to help with addictive problems in America. And again, not all people out of control are controlled by demons, but some are. There is a spiritual force of darkness and evil, and here's what I want you to see. Jesus loved this man who was out of control and helped him get free. And if there's a lesson or two for us in this passage, it's this. First of all, I suggest to you that we should do all we can as a society and as a culture to help people who can't help themselves. I hope when we're improving our health care system that we, we help some of the people that are just living on the street because they can't afford medication. Come on, and there's legitimate things wrong in their life. That we're a society that does more than just you know, give people sedatives and, and, and lock them away. But, but, but somehow we, we have a responsibility to care for people because this guy didn't have anything. He lived in a cave by himself. And it was so much pain there that he cut himself. But I want you to see that even this man in the midst of his pain... It was the love of God that could help him be free from that pain. Now, the second thing I want to say is this. Don't, don't give up on people who are out of control. Now, now, now I, listen, I understand when it's out of my league. Um, I knew a friend when I was in California many years ago. And uh, he, he was coming to church. He seemed just as normal as, as you and I. I mean, you know, uh, nothing was, that was a joke, okay? I was just kind of trying to, <laughs> should laugh. But he seemed normal. He was a salesman. He was in his mid to late 20s, energetic, all about life. But he, he began to have this, this uncontrollable urge, and he'd just start pulling his hair out. And you could just sit there and talk to him, and he didn't want to do it. And you could hold his hand and quote the Scripture, and you could bind and loose and do everything that you knew to do for him. But when you let your hand go, he would just do that again. And, 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 and we weren't able to help him. And he got some professional help, you know, thank God. But, but here's the deal. Don't give up on people. Because when he came back to church, we didn't treat him like a leper. But we made it a point to reach out to him because he didn't want to be broken and he didn't want to be helpless and he didn't want to be out of control. But we reached out to him and we loved him and we cared for him. We took him to lunch with us. We made him, we made a deliberate point that even though we didn't have the ability, either it was because of our, our, the, uh, the low level of our faith or it was indeed an a, a, a issue, a psychiatric issue that he needed medical help. Whatever the problem was, we had not been able to help him, but we were able to love him. And I want to tell you, it is the power of love that has the power to transform a person's life. Jesus showed us this about this man. See, and the third thing, and before we move on, spiritual problems demand spiritual solutions. Back to this Gadarene maniac, clearly in his case, he, his diagnosis was not because he was insane or crazy. He had demonic influence that was in his life. It was a spiritual problem. And Jesus recognized the power of evil and responded with a greater power. You say, whoa, I wish Jesus was here today. He is. He does his work through us. Or he wants to do his work through us. Just if I could digress a moment. Didn't Jesus tell the 12 disciples and then the 70 and then the whole church in the book of Acts to do the same works that he did? And isn't that what we see Christians doing, not just pastors and evangelists, but Christians doing in the, in the biblical era? So we're going to talk about that, but he recognized that there was a greater power. Well, how many know the scripture in John that says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? It's specifically talking about the spirit of Antichrist and evil. Mark 16 says that, that, that believers would have the power, the ability to be able to cast out demons to, to help people get free from this. 
And again, I'm not talking this morning about the exorcist or some bizarre case where women are spinning their heads around and, you know, they're vomiting green vomit on everybody. I'm talking about out-of-control people that are just like you and just like me, but something has happened in their life and a door got open, come on, and some power that was bigger than them came in and, and made them helpless. I want to suggest that perhaps I can make an application in my own life. So, uh, several years ago, my life was out of control. After my wife's battle with cancer, for whatever, what, I don't think a devil caused this, but I began to have these issues that they just labeled as anxiety, and uh, it was controlling my life. And now I thank God today that I, my life is 100% better in every arena, and I thank God for that today. Uh, I, I still battle this. It's still in my background. But there was a time for several, I took three months off church. And here's what, in retrospect, I had something going on inside me physiologically, and it needed medical attention. The best the doctors could say was, like my adrenal glands would turn on, and they would turn on at, at the wrong time, and they wouldn't turn off. But it wasn't just a physical problem. I wish I had great medical care, but I, uh, the medicine didn't fully take care of it. I had to see, I saw a Christian counselor that helped me understand how I have to think about this thing because my feelings were lying to me. My feelings were telling me, I'll never be in the pulpit again. I'll never preach my son's wedding. My life is over. Come on, I'm not going to live. I'm not going to make it. And those feelings would haunt me, and they provoked me to believe that my faith says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. He that began, Philippians 1.6, he that began the good work in me is going to bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And I found that there was a power in faith in the Word of God that helped me deal with my feelings. And I needed that. But I also needed my wife and other people to pray for me because this whole arena opened a door of fear because I lived for months thinking I'm fixing to die. Now, I know you're probably going to find another preacher after today because this one's got some problems, okay? From the time I'd wake up in the morning to the time I'd go to bed at night, I'd be tormented. And my wife would lay her hand on me and she'd talk in the name of Jesus and she'd command any demonic spirit that's trying to control my life and she'd speak the word of God over my life. And I'd gather with my spirit-filled friends and we would realize that it's not just physical, it's not just emotional, but there's a spiritual root to this thing as well. Come on now. And this is what I'm talking about. People just like you and just like me may, may, may get through times in our life where life is a little out of control. It's unraveling around the edges. Come on. And we need help in a lot of different ways. But one of the big helps that we need is people to love us till we get to the other side. Come on, somebody, give the Lord a good, a good praise today. Let me talk about the third one. Jesus loved people caught in the trap of sin. Think of that animal trap. And this particular case is about a woman caught in adultery. Now, we're going to go to John chapter 8. You may see in your Bible there's some questions about the authenticity or the inclusion of this passage in this particular place in the Bible. But clearly, it was a part of the, of the oral tradition of the early church. And, and I think it embodies as well as any passage how Jesus brought truth to bear with sin in, an, in a context of mercy. So let's read this together. John chapter 8, we're talking about unlovable people. And in this case, a person caught in the trap of sin. The Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. Now, the first question is, where's the guy? No answer there. Verse 4. So the Pharisees now, these religious crew, and they said, Teacher or rabbi, 
This woman was caught in the act of, the, of adultery. And in the law, referring to the Old Testament, Moses commanded us to stone such women. But what do you say? Now, stoning was, you could read Deuteronomy 22 or Leviticus 20. And if you were either a virgin who, who was engaged and you had sex with someone or you were a married person, you're having sex out of marriage, that was the penalty. It might not have been practiced directly, stoning people, but it was, it was pretty strong. Uh, what do you say? But notice verse 6. They're using the question as a trap to accuse Jesus. Now, here's the dilemma. Um, they don't like Jesus. And here's the trap. If, if, if Jesus says, go ahead and stone her, he's undermined everything he stood for about forgiveness and restoration. He has undermined, and now they can say he's lawless and doesn't even believe the Bible. On the flip side, if he says stoner, then there's another problem that's going to come up. Now he's this heartless guy. He's judgmental. He doesn't care. But also he's going to get in trouble with the Roman government because only the Roman governor could, could, could issue the death sentence. So it's kind of a dilemma there. But notice verse, uh, what happens. Uh, Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. Now we don't know what he wrote, and so it's only speculation. Some believe he just doodled like we might do. Others believe maybe he wrote an Old Testament verse. Others believe maybe he wrote sins of the people that were watching. For example, maybe he wrote one of the Ten Commandments about stealing, about, about coveting. And uh, this convicted the people that were there. But bottom line, they keep on questioning him. And, and Jesus said, let any of you that is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. That's pretty. I want to throw that out there as how we deal with other people. Well, again, he's doodling, and those who heard him from oldest to the youngest went away one at a time until only Jesus was left with the woman. And Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And she, he, she said, Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now, say this with me. Go now and leave your life of sin. This is amazing what happened. Jesus tells us how to, how to hold the high standard of Scripture, how to give mercy, and how to call people to live a life of holiness instead of the life of sin. But, but here's what I want to focus on. This is a story about, about how we treat people whose sin we find repulsive. And I guarantee you, every one of us in here have certain sins, particularly those that we don't do. How many know those that we do? They're easy to forgive. It's amazing what I can do and God can forgive me. But you molest a child. It's in the paper all the time. Our sheriff's here this morning. We appreciate his service, by the way, Sheriff Prince. Give him a big hand. We appreciate you. He has to deal with this all the time as a Christian. And, and, and as I speak about this, as a Christian, when we love people, that doesn't mean that we just ignore the sin and sweep it away. There's consequences. But this guy shacks up with this girl, and, and, and he not only sleeps with her, but then he's attracted to his 10-year-old daughter, and she happens to have a 3-year-old son, and somehow he's all in, in, the, in, the, in the sordid mix. And we read it, and we think how horrible. And it is horrible. A drug dealer who sells to kids... Now, look, you sell drugs to another adult. I don't kind of understand that. But you sell meth or crack to a fifth grader. Come on. You need, we need to send him over to the Middle East, let him cut his hand off. 
A thief who preys on grandmother. I mean, there's just, and I could name some more things, but I could touch a button of sins that you find repulsive. And we see people commit these sins in the paper, and some of them we know. Some of them are on our Facebooks. And typically the first thing we do is we unfriend them. Because we don't know how to disagree with what they've done and still love them. And that's the tension in this story. Let me, let, me, let me give you some lessons about this if we can. When we deal with people that are caught in sin, perhaps one th- a starting place is the golden rule. How would I want to be treated if I was guilty of what, uh, of what happened? But here's a lesson or two. Number one, agree with what God says is sinful and call people to leave their life of sin. See, when Jesus met with his gal, this is what American culture does. American culture, particularly in this issue uh, of sexual morality, uh, they say, you don't have the right to tell me what's right and wrong. You're judging me. And if you love me, you'll just let me do whatever I want to. Jesus didn't do that. But he told her, he held God's standard of morality, but he did it in such a way that he loved her. And I want to encourage you as a Christian, let our starting place be truth, come on, and righteousness. And let us understand that even sins have consequences. And some sins send people to jail and they should be in jail. But the starting place is leave your life of sin. But the key thing after that is we want to love that person despite what they've done wrong. And this is where I find it hard sometimes. I have two pictures on the wall. It's actually in my restroom. I see all the time. One of them was a former member of our church and they murdered someone. And I know this woman loved God at one time, a point in her life. And somehow her life just unraveled. Somebody needs to love her today. I have a friend right now. No matter who it is, but it's, it's a somewhat public person and they've been caught in a, in, a, in, a, in a terrible sin. They spend time in jail, probably will, and probably should. And I text them, not to say, give me the real skinny but just to reach out and they don't answer because they've either withdrawn or canceled their phone. But I find somebody that still talks to them and say, just tell them that I'm praying for them and that somebody loves you. Because here's what the devil wants to do. Look at you, stupid. You've destroyed yourself, your family, and all these people. You're not worthy to be called a Christian. End your life because you're going to get in prison and who knows what's going to happen to you. Now, he could be somebody's playmate or he could be the pastor in prison. Come on, are, are you with me today? God is a redeeming God, and we're his hands extended. Here's the third one. Be careful of having a a self-righteous, judgmental heart. Don't forget that much of what we condemn today is what we used to do. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. It's we that are sinners that need a physician. But when the Lord cleans us up, it's amazing how we become self-righteous. Come on. Instead of humble, and what people need is they need a hand, and you can feel the hand when it comes out. And I'll close with this thought. Uh, Jesus' brother James said in James 5, reach out and restore the fallen. My dear friends, if you know people who've wandered off from God's truth, don't write them off. Then what's it say? Go after them. Get them back, and you'll have rescued precious lives from destruction. It has an eternal sense of the consequence there and cover a multitude of sins. Can I tell you, friends, the whole world is a sinner. Come on. It starts with me. It's all of us. But people in our world, how many know it could be someone in this building today, we do things 
We, we, we make mistakes, whether they're conscious, deliberate, or unconscious, and we feel so bad about them. How many know, even in the midst of that, that's what this woman, she was embarrassed before everyone. It's like being paraded down the aisle of the churchway, church building today, and they bring in her, and she just throw her down right there. She's embarrassed and ashamed already. But Jesus, when he talked to her and said, woman, it was not a demeaning call. It gave her respect. It told her what she was doing was wrong, but it said, I'm going to love you and help you and get your feet back on track. Come on, give the Lord a good hand today. I'm going to close with the last part of this little song again. We'll pick up that little girl. But I want you to look at this little girl again and, and notice her. She's probably a teenager that's had a baby out of wedlock. She's sitting in, in the baby seat, the baby carriage, and her little baby is swimming in a Tupperware container. Take a little peek at this. What was it thinking? What was it feeling? I bet it was saying. Why me? Why am I not welcome in your company? I wonder if she got kicked out. Why do you pregnant. treat me like an enemy? If you believe the way you say you do, tell me why. wondered why somebody didn't do something about that and then I realized I am somebody somebody that can love the unlovable why don't you stand on your feet just a moment and we're just going to ask the Lord to come and be with us for a couple minutes in a very special way have a God moment sing one song have a prayer and go home but before you do I want to really encourage you if, if this morning's message has really spoken to your heart Go back this afternoon and look at all these opportunities to touch unlovable people. I'm telling you, friends, God can do something with us. Can we just bow our head just a moment before the Lord and, and close our eyes just to kind of shut everybody else out like we're just, it's just me and God, or God and I. Maybe we could start by just lifting our hands to heaven and just say, thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you for reaching out to me when I was unlovable. I know, God, you reached out to me when I wasn't making straight A's and when I wasn't... <laughs> My life was headed in the wrong direction. And I had a life that I, I, I looked at, lived on the outside and that my, my mom thought I was living but was not the way that I was living. But a loving God looked past that and he saw the heart of a young man that was in need of relationship with God just like the eyes of that woman that was caught in adultery just like the gathering maniac ran to Jesus 
just like Zacchaeus climbed up in that tree. I climbed up in my tree for Jesus. And you did too. Say thank you, Lord, for loving me. Don't ever let me forget where I came from. Don't ever let me forget, God, that for some of us, we were in the depth of depression and despair. For some of us, we had believed the lies that said we were unlovable and we didn't even think our life was worth living and we isolated ourselves and, and it just, it's like the lie became more real than the truth. The love of God just came across our life like a cool summer breeze. Lord, we want to ask you today to help us to be men and women that embody the second commandment and love our neighbor as ourselves. Could you just pray that right now for your own life? Lord, help me to love people. Help me to love people that nobody else likes, like Zacchaeus. Help me to love people that are out of control, like that poor guy that lived in the cemetery. Help me, Lord, to love them even if I can't solve all their problems. Help me, God, to love people like that woman that was filled with shame when she was cast in front of a crowd of people. Help me, Lord, to love her rather than throw a stone at her. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Could you just reach out to God? Because I know maybe some here today say, I don't feel lovable. There's some things about my personality. There's some, some choices I've made that have pushed people away from me. I, I hide behind a, a wall of arrogance because of my success, but on the inside, I'm broken. I'm like Zacchaeus. I want you to just lift your hands to heaven if that's you. Just say, Lord, would you, would you reach out to me? Jesus, just come to me and and love me and heal me in my brokenness because I don't want to stay the way that I am. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. You are almighty God. And you're big enough to fix what's broken in my life. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're a loving Father. You wouldn't throw me away any more than I'd throw my kids away when they mess up. Holy Spirit showing me that there's some here today that the devil has lied to you, but because of what you have done recently, you don't feel worthy to come before God. You don't even feel worthy to, to follow God or call yourself a Christian or, or even go to church because you're living almost, you feel like a lie. And Satan's lying to you and telling you that you're not worthy. Can I tell you, friends, go ahead and tell him you agree. You're not worthy, but Christ is. And, and, and it's the righteousness of God in Christ that makes us worthy. It's not our own good works. But we are the righteousness of God in Christ because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Hey, let's close with this prayer. We're going to have one last song and dismiss. But I want to make a place in the altar if you need a personal prayer from someone. Maybe something in this message has really touched you and you just want to kind of bring that to a close here in the altar. We'd be honored to pray with you about anything. But the most important thing we'd like to pray about today in this last moment is about your personal relationship with God. Can I tell you, friends, we are honored that you're here in our church today. There's so many great, great churches in our town, but let me tell you this, a church won't get you to heaven. You can go to church seven days a week and still not go to heaven. 
because what's standing in our way is our sin and what we need is the forgiveness that comes from Christ and maybe you're here today and you need a relationship with God can I tell you friend I went to church all my growing up years and a Gideon told me when I was headed the wrong direction and I was finding trying to find happiness and I kept putting things in my life whether it was relationships or smoking or whatever it was that I was doing in my life and all of a sudden I was running away and this guy told me Jesus could change my life he said Jesus could fix the brokenness in my life if I would ask for his forgiveness and then turn and follow him and I tell you friends I've been doing it 40 years and he told me the truth that day and maybe that's what you need you're at a spiritual place in life where you need to turn your life and begin to follow Christ and if that's you I want to give you this invitation not to join our church but let someone pray with you as you make the greatest decision of your life committing to become a follower of Christ as we begin to sing this song, I'm going to ask our prayer team to come forwards. And if you want prayer, I'm going to encourage you to come let them pray for you. But if you want to make a commitment to Christ, come and meet somebody at the cross and they'll pray for you. If you're slipping out of your chair for prayer, you come, we'll pray. But if you need to get right with God, if something is pulling inside you, I'm telling you, friends, it's the Holy Spirit because Jesus wants to change your life. You come and we'll pray. I love you. Thanks for coming today. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Cause I once was lost, but now I'm found. Worth a line, but now I sing this out my chains. My chains are gold. I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has a ransom to me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love. Amen.